Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. Here on February 11th, we're taping this on a Tuesday, right? And it's essentially, give or take a few days, I think it's February, uh, March 16th that free agency begins. A month before the start of free agency. That's going to be the first real step of the Giants reloading their roster. I mean, there'll be some cuts before then, but that's going to be their first opportunity to reload the roster because the way the NFL is set up is free agency comes before the draft. So the way this works is, and this is what Dave Gettleman and and company are are trying to accomplish in the next month or so, is they're going to try and cover all their bases. Okay? Look, it's not a perfect situation. It's never going to be a perfect pieces of the puzzle. But they want to put themselves in situation where they can at least get by at every position if they needed to. And then the draft, they're not forced into taking a specific position. You don't want to have to be forced into drafting an offensive lineman fourth overall, right? You want to at least have serviceable options in place so that you then have the flexibility in the draft to do what teams love to say, right? Best available. That, that The dreaded phrase, best available player. The BAP. Everybody wants to do the BAP. It's never fully reasonable. Like, you're not just going to – nobody ever – look, the Giants just drafted a quarterback. They fully believe in him. They're not then going to go draft a quarterback if that's the best player on the board this year. They're just not. They're not going to go draft – if they're running. If there's a running back who's the best player on the board, they're not going to draft him. So it's a term that's often used, but it's not always – you're not always capable of – going in that direction. So uh, there's a lot of other things that come into play. Your current roster, injuries, to you know, some guys have red flag the injuries or red flags for uh, character issues. Those all always come into the equation as well. So what we're going to talk about here for the most part is the free agency aspect of the upcoming offseason. And it's a big one for the Giants. Big, 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 big. Okay? They have a lot of money available. As it currently stands, over $60 million, okay? There is another, you know, easily attainable 10, 4, 15, you know, 18, 18, 20 million dollars pretty easily. So that could bring them up over 80. And if they want to make some other moves, you know, the Nate Soldiers of the world, which I, I, I put out a story this week. I don't expect that to happen. We talked about this last week, Golden Tate. Don't think that's going to happen. I expect them both to be back on the roster. But if the Giants did want to go crazy, they could probably get in the $90 million under the salary cap range. Right? They could be up there with the teams with the absolute most salary cap. Now, free agency is a tough one. Right? Because the best players don't actually usually get to free agency. Okay? Now, we're talking about Chris Jones right now. Of, of uh, the Chiefs, defensive lineman. Likely he won't make it to free agency. Um, some of the edge rushers, the buzz out there is that guys like Shaquille Barrett, right? He'll be back with the Bucks. Yannick Ngakwe, he'll get tagged by the Jaguars. Um, who else? Eric Armstead from the 49ers. 
he'll likely be back with the 49ers. So really the top, top level of pass rushers and players at most positions aren't going to get to that open market, right? Does anyone really expect Derrick Henry, he's the top running back, to get to the open market? Probably not. Quarterback's going to be crazy this year. That's where all the attention is going to be. The Giants, for the first time in years at least, are not in that conversation. And that is nice, right? I mean, it, it gives you a little feeling of, of of freedom. Like, you're not in that quarterback conversation of, is this guy the guy? Is that guy the guy? Do they go this route? I mean, there's so many options at quarterback this year. Tom Brady. Uh, I'm not going to put Drew Brees in there. D- Dak Prescott, who knows what's going to happen with uh, Philip Rivers, Teddy Bridgewater, all these guys. And then you talk about the draft. Would they be in on um, Justin Herbert, on Tua? Is Tua going to check out? All these things. So for the most part, the Giants are out of that conversation, except for one fact. They're in the quarterback market, or at least peripherally in the quarterback market, in that their draft pick can become more valuable if Tua checks out physically, if teams fall in love with Justin Herbert. We'll get to that a little bit. But let's go over some of the Giants' free agents, okay? Their own internal free agents. Now, from my understanding, there have been phone calls made internally from the Giants to most of these guys. And we'll see how everything goes. But at the moment, the Giants just hired a staff, okay? So they're high, they hired a staff. They just started getting together. They're going through their evaluations. They're putting together their systems. The Giants are going to put this stuff off as long as they can. They're going to use this time, right? Because you want to install your offensive scheme. You want to ins- you put together your offensive, defensive playbook before you decide of whether this guy's a fit, whether how much, you know, this is a guy we want to keep and move forward with. Now, of course, there's situations like Leonard Williams where the Giants already invested in him and we'll, we'll see, um, you know, what the price is ultimately going to come in as. That, that's the big one, right? The rest of them, we got Marcus Golden. He's, in my mind, the second biggest free agent. We'll get to Leonard Williams. We'll get into detail of that a little bit. Okay. But Marcus Golden. Their second biggest free agent. Where does he fit into the equation? Was he a little bit? I mean, I've talked to people who think, yeah, a little bit of his success was partly because he was a fit in that system. He was James Betcher's guy. He, you know, but a lot of that is effort, though, still, and that effort works in any system. So you got they have to make that evaluation. They have to figure, okay, here's the defense we're going to run. It's going to be a hybrid four three and three four. Like I think the Giants' primarily primary defense is going to be 3-4. But they're going to run a lot of hybrid 4-3 stuff as well. Does Marcus Golden fit into that equation for them? How much are they going to run it? I mean, these are the things that the, they're going to have to decide. Now, Marcus Golden, we know what he is. And I think what he is is a solid pass rusher who could get the double digits. We've seen that now twice in his career. Right? Do you want him as your number one guy? Are you willing to pay him as your number one guy? I think the answer to that is probably no. But is he a good, quality, useful player? Yes, the answer to that is yes. And how much is that worth? $8 million a year? $10 million a year? $12 million a year? I think I think that's the range. Now, I don't think he's going to break the bank, get a huge long-term deal. He'll get a nice, solid deal. Look, $10 million a year 
is a quality deal for Marcus Golden. After last year, you know, he's coming off two years of basically no production and a, and a serious knee injury. He got, what, $3 million from the Giants, uh, give or take? I'm guess I'm estimating at this point. I can look it up in a second. But that's what he got. So if he could get a deal three years, $30 million in the $10 million range, that's a pretty good deal for Marcus Golden. So I think that's realistic. Now the question is, the Giants need to fill that top pass rusher spot alongside him. You want to have Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden. You want to have two players at that level. And how are they going to do that? Can they afford for Marcus Golden to be the number two guy in the $10 million range if they have to go out in free agency and shop for that number one guy? Or do you go out shop for that big guy, the number one pass rusher, which I think is more realistic, and then supplement that with the O'Shane Zimenez's and uh, Lorenzo Carter's of the world? Maybe someone else on a shorter one, one-year one deal, the next Marcus Golden, the guy who needs to prove himself in another pro- you know, something like that. I think that is the more likely route the Giants are going to take. Other free agents for the Giants, Mike Thomas, safety special teams guy. I think there's a chance he comes back for sure. Uh, remember, uh, the Giants kept special teams coach Thomas McGahee. A big part of that special teams the last two years was Mike Thomas. He was a captain. Okay, And Dave Gettleman, always known to invest heavily in special teams players. So Mike Thomas is an interesting one. Mike Remmers. Play decent. Uh, do they? Do is that their solution? Uh, maybe just okay. Here's a guy we can bring in. We know can start if we need him. We'll, we'll see what happens in the draft. But at least, like I said before, that kind of fills a spot if they need it. You know, they they sign Mike Remmers and draft a second round tackle. Would would that be a decent trio? With you know, you got Nate Solder, Mike Remmers again, and then a rookie. Maybe. I mean, do they do they want to go out and sign a better tackle? I think they would prefer it, but they have to decide how much they're willing to invest in that position, right? Money wise. So I, I think I think likelihood is that they would go for a little better than Remmers, but we will see. It's very early right now. When the combine comes around at the end of this month is when we'll have a much better feel of what the Giants are thinking, what teams are thinking, what players are thinking. In the meantime, we're kind of in the, this is a this is really the NFL's dead period as much as there is a dead period. Right? Maybe cuts will start, you know, they start leaking out here or there. The the Chargers severed ties officially with Philip Rivers. Uh the the uh, the Panthers did the same with Greg Olson. Some maybe established veterans can get a, a head start or jump on finding their next home, but for the most part, this is going to take some time. Other Giants free agents, Russell Shepard, another veteran special teamer, Cody Latimer, uh, fourth wide receiver or so. Uh, we'll see about if he if they decide to bring him back again on a one-year deal. David Mayo, a guy who started, look, again, just because he started doesn't mean he's a starting caliber player. They might want to bring him back in a lesser role. At least say, okay, well, we know he can start and do certain things for us. He could fill the run. He could be decent against the run if we need to have somebody do that for a game or a couple games as a starter. And then try and fill the roles in, you know, free agency or the draft. But Cody Core, a quality special teamer, fourth or fifth wide receiver, a quality special The quality special team market, by the way, is going to be in that two and a half, three million dollar range. So 
Cody Core could be in for a decent payday. Will the Giants want to be in that in that price range for that? There will be a team out there that probably will be. He's a good quality special teamer, a real quality gunner. I expect them to have a little market. So will the Giants be willing to pony up for that and to put that, that? I mean, it's not huge money, but it's whether they're willing to invest in that. And knowing Dave Gettleman, he has not been shy about investing in special teams. I could see him doing it. Other free agents, Buck, uh, running back Buck Allen, uh, linebacker Dayon Buchanan, tight end Scott Simonson, uh, cornerback, another special teamer really, and Antonio Hamilton, uh, Corey Coleman, the wide receiver, coming off a knee injury. Uh, again, that'll be sort of like a Marcus Golden type situation. Who wants to invest and take a crap shoot in Corey Coleman and hope that he comes back? Right, sort of like a prove it one year prove it deal for Corey Coleman, although he never really had the same success that Marcus Golden had. So, and then there's Leonard Williams. He's the big one, right? The Giants traded Ernie, put a third and fifth rounder into Leonard Williams. Okay, he had half a sack, but he did have 20 quarterback pressures, which is a solid number in his eight games for the Giants. Did have 14 hurries. So, but he did only have two tackles for a loss. So those splash plays, obviously not there. But I spoke to some sources around the league, and I asked, you know, what do we think of him? What do you think of him? And, you know, good player, solid player. These are the kind of things you hear. Talented. Want to see more. You know, uh, historically awful contract year is what somebody said. You know, $15 million a year, which is one of the numbers you hear right now. And the reason you hear that is because the franchise tag for a defensive tackle, is going to be in that $15, $16 million range. So if you're the agent for Leonard Williams, what are you going to start with? $15 or $16 million a year because, hey, you want to keep us, franchise us. Or put a transition tag on us, which is going to be, what, uh, $12 million range, something like that, 13 So that's going to be their starting point of negotiating. You know, you do if you're going to do that, that's where we're going to start. Right now, I don't think there's a team out there that's going to pay Leonard Williams fifteen million fifteen million dollars a year. What someone told me when I asked them about that number, they said crazy. That's what one source told me. Uh, Ten million dollars plus, though, sure. That seemed to be the consensus. So he's going to get paid. He's going to get a decent payday. It's going to be around that double digit a year number. 10, 12 million. I mean, maybe if, if things really aren't out there for him, you know, $8 million. Sheldon Richardson was a comp that somebody used for me at one point. Whereas Sheldon Richardson wasn't able to get that big long-term deal. I think he ended up settling for a one year, $8 million deal. Like that, that's his worst case scenario. But the likelihood is it's going to be over $10 million a year. And he has the leverage. That's what everyone you talk to says. He has the leverage. Because the Giants already invested draft picks in him. He's a quality player. They want to keep him. But how much are they willing to pay? The op- other options are there's a franchise tag available, which is, would be an expensive one for the services, like we just said. I mean, de- if he's a defensive tackle, it's probably going to be in the $16 million range. If he's considered a defensive end, it's in the $18 million range. So they don't want to go there. He was considered a defensive tackle last year on the 50-year option, but then again he came to the Giants and played in a different system. 
So we'll see how that pans out. That also factors into the equation where he classifies. So the other option is the transition tag because the Giants, right, they have uh, – every team actually has an option. You could use two tags this year. You could use a transition and a franchise if they wanted on two different guys um, as long as there's no uh, collective bargaining agreement at this point. So that's an option too. I think the numbers in the twelve, thirteen million dollar range. So we'll see. That leaves them open to another team coming in and making an offer. But let's be honest. Again, Leonard Williams is gonna have the leverage. He's gonna have the leverage on the Giants. They invested a third and a fifth so far. It comes a third and a fourth if they resign him. Are they they're they're likely not going to be able to recoup those picks. Because even if he walks and gets a better deal elsewhere. In free agency, the Giants are going to go sign other players, big players, this offseason. So that compensation pick is very unlikely to come back in the following year. So that factors into the equation. This all factors into the equation. That's why the Leonard Williams was a, is a tricky one. It's a very tricky one. And I wrote a story. It's If it's not up on ESPN.com yet, when you're listening to this, it'll be up soon. So uh, the full details of the Leonard Williams situation will be available online. Make sure you go check it out. But now let's talk about free agency as a whole with our guest this week, the always knowledgeable Mike Clay. Let's get to that now. On to the next one. All right, so let's bring in Mike Clay right now. And we're going to go over what he just – I mean, you, you got to go check this out. It's out there for everybody. It's on his uh, Twitter account. I believe his account, Mike, is, is at Mike Clay. Is that correct? At Mike Clay NFL. At Mike Clay NFL. All right. Who's at Mike Clay then? Uh, Do you know I who that is? I believe that's a weatherman in uh, somewhere in the country. Okay. So so, not- so do people <laughs> reach out to you and ask about the weather once in a while? Uh, well, look, I know he – actually, you know what? That's a different Mike Clay. Is that the, uh, the at Mike Clay is uh, an executive producer for a show on ABC or, or something like that. It's, it's something uh, something else. But um, I know that he gets fantasy questions. So, sure, <laughs> you can ask your questions, your photography questions, whatever uh, you can do. There you go. Uh, so he has a, Mike Clay has a free agency cheat sheet out right now, uh, which is very interesting. I mean, he goes and he ranks every pretty much all the free agents out there at every position by position and ranks them. And there's some very interesting things on this year's one. Uh, we'll start with, because we're Giants related here, we'll start with the fact that I thought it was pretty interesting. We go to the, you know, defensive lineman and, uh, you're pretty, you're pretty high on, on Leonard Williams here. Interior defensive lineman, you split him up between edge rushers and interior defensive lineman. And Leonard Williams comes in as the second available free agent defensive lineman. Uh, give me some of the reasoning behind that. Yeah. So look, I, I should stress that these are kind of, you know, just to give uh, you know for the for the viewing public an idea where guys fall in terms of tiers or a rough idea where they belong. But yeah, I do think Williams is one of the top interior defensive linemen on the market. He's obviously uh, very young in his mid twenties and uh, was considered to be a pretty good interior defensive lineman with the Jets and then the, the Giants. Uh, but Jordan, I, I think the only question with related to the Giants is: Do you spend the money on him? I mean, I think you already have three decent or good interior defensive lineman and you have major needs across that roster so I'm, if i'm them i'm not sure i'm too interested in re-signing i know they traded for him but i'd be looking to spend elsewhere you know 
Uh, other teams, though, that have a need up front, yeah, I think that he's a, a good young player he'd be looking to pick up. Yeah, you did break down unit groups, each unit on the, on each team, and uh, you, you have the Giants, basically their strongest unit, aside from running back with Saquon Barkley, is their interior defensive line. You have them. You have them a net uh, net positive at you know plus three point five, which is which is a solid out of four. So that's a, a their best unit group. So yeah, I mean, the only thing about that is they need pass rush from that unit, and he's mm-hmm. the guy that kind of I know the sack numbers didn't don't show, but the reason he's up there is because he's a disruptor in that in that realm. So, uh, which brings us to. You know, pressuring the quarterback. What do you think overall about this edge rusher group? Because there's some pretty good names here, and how does this sort of compare maybe to past years as as a group? Uh, I think overall free agency is very rich this year. In fact, I had a hard time putting this sheet together on Twitter because there were so many names, and it was hard right. to get them all out <laughs> in the font ball. Uh, so overwhelmingly across the league, it's a very fun, very interesting. Uh, group for free agency, and I would say that right now, as it stands, you definitely have some very good options at that position. And you know, I'll list a few: Jadavian Clowney, Eric Armstead, Shaq Barrett, uh, Ndokwe down in Jacksonville, Bud Dupree, Dante Fowler, even guys like Robert Quinn and Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, you're getting down into the second, third tier. Ziggy Ansah's kind of buried on my list a little bit. You know, you have a lot of options here. So uh, you look at a team like the Giants. In a 3-4 base, I mean, they definitely have some options here to improve on on what they have. You know, a guy like Lorenzo Carter, you know, he was probably solid for them this season. You know, he's developing into probably a a decent number of two edge rusher, I'd say, uh, from the outside linebacker position. But I think you have options, guys that have played in 3-4s and had success where you can improve and actually get uh, a good edge rush uh, from from your outside linebacker. So I definitely think there's there's options here. It is a good, deep class. And uh, honestly... I think they'd be crazy if they don't get one. Honestly, you can apply this to both New York teams. Right. The Jets and the Giants both badly need to address the edge rushing group, and it's just something they haven't done very well the past few years. Yeah, I mean, you would think that that's a, an area that they're going to attack strongly. It really, you, you lean in that direction because also the way the draft plays out, right? There seems to be one really elite edge rusher, and we know that's Chase Young, and he's likely he's not going to be there when they pick at four. So they're likely not going to be able to get that, you know, that get that one hundred percent. Okay, we know this is going to be our number one guy with that number four pick, which makes them say, okay, we're going to have to go into that edge rusher market. But the other interesting part of that edge rusher market is the franchise tag part of it. Because yeah. if you're a good team, why are you going to let a really really good edge rusher hit the market? So some of those names, I think, are probably. We or th- I'll, can, we can guarantee it aren't going to make it to the market. It's just a matter of which ones, right? Yeah, I think uh, Jacksonville probably will use the tag. Uh, possibly Pittsburgh with Bud, Bud Dupree. Uh, it, it sounds like Seattle has an agreement with Jadavian Clowney not to use it. So that could be an intriguing name if uh, you know a team like the Giants and the Jets wants to spend big. Uh, you know, guys like Shaq Barrett. Who knows? I mean, essentially a one-year wonder, right? You know, will yeah. Tampa Bay big on him i think he'd like to be back there and there was a report that he'll give them a discount but uh, again even if some of just a few of those top names aren't available you're still going to have a few other stars you're still going to have guys on that next tier down that you can utilize i mean uh you know even guys like matt judon Shaq lawson jabal sheard some of these guys have played in three fours you know that 
that's a good veteran presence to go with the two youngsters that they have there right now at the top of the depth chart. So, uh, again, you if they come away without improving that position, it's, it's on them, really, because there are plenty of options out there. Yeah, well, that's a good thing. I mean, obviously, in a year where they need it, that the fact that there are a lot of options. What other positions kind of stood out to you when you put it, when you put together this list about being deep, deep, or at least deep in comparison to years in the past? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be snotty, but how about all of them? Like, <laughs> almost all of them. Like, I, like I said before, there there is some star ca- star power at the top. Um, you know, I, I should quickly mention it, but a lot of these guys are going to end up uh, probably with their old teams, but quarterback for sure right with yeah, Brady right, Prescott right. in a hill Winston Rivers I mean talk about some talent relative to most years that's serious so I again I don't want to spend too much time there because I think those, a lot of those guys will end up back in their old homes but um you know I think if you look at maybe the top of uh, of the cornerback and safety position I think they kind of jump out with guys like Chris Harris and Byron Jones out there one of those guys that can play in the slot and outside and Harris can kind of move all over the formation and Byron Jones who's a stay at home corner but uh you know very good at very good at that job James Bradbury another guy who can travel he's some interesting talent at the top of the board there and then safety Justin Simmons you know we'll see if he gets a long-term extension done uh with the Broncos uh Anthony Harris has broken out the past couple of years with Minnesota Devin McCourty Trey Boston who's one of my favorite underrated players in the NFL he never gets a deal that guy he never gets a big deal, and he all he does is all he does is produce. I know, I know, it's, it's unbelievable. I, one of the most disrespected players in the NFL year after year, he provide you know he produces. So, um, but again, he's you know fourth on my board, and I'm a huge fan. That just shows you the the amount of bodies you have there. And again, tier two, a corner and safety are both very good as well. And honestly, I, I wasn't thinking about the Giants when I was just listing those names, but right. talk about two, talk about a team that has a need there, right? I mean, especially a corner with Baker and Beal right now leading that depth chart. I mean, they have some a serious, serious need at that position. So, they will again, again, they'll have options at the cornerback spot, and even if they want to add another safety if they move on from Bethea. Yeah, the Giants absolutely need to get a veteran cornerback. Like, you, they can't go into the season with all these young guys and no real veteran cornerback. Like, that, that's that's going to be a necessity for them this offseason for sure. Um Take us through a little bit real quick about the offensive tackle market, right? Because the Giants, there's this is like a perpetual need for them, it seems like. We're in this conversation every year. Is like, how do they address this offensive line? I look at this offensive tackle list, and there's some pretty good names. What do you think of that group as a whole when you, when you went through it? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because they're kind of locked in a left tackle. So I, you would know better than me, but right. they're – they're just looking to address the right side right now. Um, I mean, they so, could always move Nate Solder, but I don't think that's a preference of theirs. Like maybe if they had to, you know, if that was their, they, they would contemplate it, but I don't think that's something they would really want to do at this point. Especially because he played on the left side in New England as well. Right. Uh, but, you know, top of the board, you have guys like Anthony Costanzo and, and Jack uh, Conklin, Jason Peters. You know, a lot of these guys, I think, have a pretty darn good where they were. Uh, last season. So if you're looking at the right side, you know, the, the top, the top right tackle or natural right tackle, if you will, or career right tackle that's available, it is Conklin. You know, he was with Tennessee, uh, on the right side. So he, he would be their, probably their top target. And then, uh, it's guys like Brian Bulaga. I could see him back with the Packers. Andrew Whitworth with the Rams. Uh, you know, 
and then it's uh, kind of a drop off. You have guys like DJ Humphreys, Lamar Dawson, uh, Kelvin Beecham. I mean, you have some okay options. I wouldn't say it's a world class group by any means, but um, they should be able to improve. I think on what they did last season uh, at that position. But it's not like it's uh, they have a ton of options here. A lot of these left tackles, I think, will end up back with their old home. Well, the, you know what? Though these mid range, you know, older tackles, like one of them, kind of makes sense because this is a very strong tackle draft. That's what you hear. This is a very strong yeah. tackle draft. So if you get a veteran, another veteran, and you then you add one of the young guys in the in the early rounds, you know that's a, a decent trio. Kind of like the, what the Eagles did last year, right? They brought back uh, Jason Peter, but then they drafted their future left tackle in the first round, and then he kind of yeah. sat there for a year. And and so that that is an option, and, and not probably not a bad one for teams to go because tackles a position where it takes guys time nowadays. I mean, you don't just throw. Tackles in in and have immediate success. So uh, those mid-range tackles are probably going to do pretty well in free agency. Yeah, no question about it. And then I think a lot of these guys are, are pretty set, right? I don't think they're ready to move on from Will Hernandez yet. Nate no. Holder's probably going anywhere. Zeitler at right guard. I mean, you know, really it's just do you can you upgrade on Mike Remmers? And I think that you can. I think you have some options. I just don't know, unless you spend up on a guy like a Jack Conklin, I don't think it's going to be a – a major move forward. So you're right. I think based on what we kind of laid out here and talking through the positions and where they have needs, I think maybe spending on defense is probably the way to go. Uh, and then maybe you do maybe you do focus your draft on the offensive line. I think that kind of strategy would make a lot of sense for them, especially because you know even at the offensive skill positions, not any clear voids, right? I mean, I think they're pretty set with their three headed punch at wide receiver. You have Evan Ingram. Right. You know, maybe want to maybe you want. Uh, more depth there because of his injury issues. You have Barkley. You have your quarterback. I mean, it sounds like you draft uh, you draft defense and offensive line, and, and certainly you could spend on some short term options or for some full time starters on the defensive side. Yeah, and if you go look at Mike Clay's uh, unit grades, he go he breaks down the Giants, and really at all five offensive positions, you have them at a net positive. So, uh, and you go look at the defense; it's almost the exact opposite. But yeah, I mean. Look, they need to get better in some of the spots. Like quarterback, he needs to play better. Obviously, you hope that happens in the second year. Offensive line, they need to play better as a unit and, like you said, upgrade a couple spots. But, I mean, I was a little surprised to see the offensive unit rankings you have for them. And when you look back at a whole, as you, you say, that should be a pretty decent offense, right, moving forward? Well, we'll see once free agency, uh, you know, we roll through free agency. Because remember, all of the free agents are pulled off of all the rosters uh, for the, right, all the free agents. Right, right, right. And they don't really have any at the offensive skill position players, right, with all the guys True. they just listed are back or under contract. So they're in pretty good shape. And honestly, that applies to the offensive line, right? 80% of their starters from last year, and, and really that was their, their full-time players. Pretty much no one missed time. They were very fortunate in that regard. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're pretty much set. They're back. If teams start adding free agents, they might fall off a little bit. But, you know, you're like, come on, Jordan. We, we know what, what it comes down to, right? It comes down to the quarterback. It's, right. It's, if, if Daniel Jones takes the step forward and lives up to his pedigree, they're going to score points and they're going to be very good. And look, they, they did. I mean, he turned it over a lot. He made a lot of mistakes for sure. That's common for a rookie, but he was also, what at one point he was number one in passing touchdowns during the, during the weeks he started right so he was producing uh, he was a little you know little up and down for sure boom bust but you know he showed signs that he can be a star quarterback in this league and if he takes a step forward they're going to score if he doesn't they're going to have problems regardless of the help around him on that side of the ball 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the giant success we know is is built around that, but uh, there at least is a core there. I think that they could be optimistic about offensively, defensively. They like look your rankings show it. I mean, you have them with a pretty good interior defensive ranking, right? And but the other groups, I mean, linebacker you have at you know in the red negative point zero point eight for uh, edge rushers. Uh, negative zero point five for linebackers, negative point eight for cornerbacks. I mean, th- those, the all those units need upgrading. Which brings us to the linebacking core, right? Uh, middle linebacker or inside linebackers. What's that group look like in free agency? And is there anyone that kind of sticks out at you as possible? Uh, you know, quality value. I mean, uh, Joe Schobert's been a name that's been brought up to me a bunch lately. Yeah, they, they definitely have some options here. And the question really is, are they finally going to address it? Because, right. I mean, it was, it, it's been a bad position since they made the trade for Ogletree. Like, he, he was not very good with the Rams. They just signed him to a long-term extension a couple of years before that. They realized it was a mistake, and they somehow had a taker in the Giants, and they continue to play him every down. So, you know, now, it, it, what, I mean, what do you think before I get into the market? Are they going to, are they going to move on this off season? Is he still going to be on the roster? What do you, how, what's I your, mean, Alec Ogletree is scheduled to be the fourth highest paid, uh, in inside linebacker. I don't see how the giants can look at that and look <laughs> at the way he played and they, they save eight plus million dollars if they cut him. So to be, well, to, to go forward there just seems asinine at this point. Especially with you know with those contract stipulations at this point, it seems crazy. Now, I've said this for a couple of years though. I mean, this team right now, you can't rule anything out because they've done some crazy things the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing you could say this won't happen. But I would be really surprised if they rolled back uh, Alec Ogletree again. And and you can't really sit there and be like, okay, uh, Ryan Connolly, he was a promising you know fifth round pick last year. But he played what two or three games for real, and then suffered an ACL injury. Like to count on that right now seems that that's that's a very risky proposition. So they're going to yeah. have to address one of those spots some way somehow. Yeah, no, no question. And honestly, they might need. I mean, maybe Connolly's one. That's fine. But you're probably going to have to add depth if you're going to count on him. Yeah, I'm talking about addressing addressing it seriously with with a serious, you know, locked in starter. One of those guys is going to have to be, you know, addressed yeah. in in regards to whether it's free agency or whether it's you know Isaiah Simmons and they want to put him in that spot or some something like that. Yeah, that that makes sense. And you know, maybe another former Ram is a guy that would be of interest to them, uh, Corey Littleton, right? I mean, Ogletree didn't work out. Maybe Littleton will. He's been a full-timer for the Rams and has been uh, pretty darn good, better than I thought he would be the past couple of years in that Wade Phillips offense. So, you know, he's the guy that leads that list for me. Uh, you have a guy like Jamie Collins who uh, really hasn't been too good outside of the Patriot system, but he's a free agent coming off a bounce back year up there. You mentioned Joe Schober. He's third on my list. But this is kind of the Patriot system. Don't forget, this might be a a hybrid of the Patriot system because we got Patrick Graham who used to work for the Patriots and now Joe Judge to oversee it all. This is the the Patriots regime. So that actually adds a little intrigue when they're Patriots now because you figure they're going to bring along some of their guys. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense, not to mention that he, it, throughout his career, has been very versatile, right? So you can use him as an edge rusher at times. He can line up all over the place. So he's a player that could be very attractive to them. But, uh, yeah, it's a little, it is a little top heavy at the position. 
but I, I do think you have some some interesting options here, and certainly they have they have options to add depth. There's a lot of names on this list that are unrestricted free agents, and and there are some guys at the top that could be their everyday player. Right, this is one of the positions where if they move on from Ogletree, the Giants can sign a player like a Littleton or a Collins or a Schobert or a Martinez and have a a 100% snap player, right? Right. So, and, a, and an effective player and an upgrade, a guy that could kind of change the game for them. So, uh, again, I do agree with you. I think they move on from Ogletree, and if they do, I, I would imagine they're going to try to spend some money uh, at that position. Even Danny Trevathan, he's out there as a, as a free agent coming over from that terrific Bears defense. So there are options. Right. I mean, look, it's been a long time. They tried to fill it a couple times. I mean, they tried with Ogletree. They tried with John Beeson. But let's be real. They haven't had a real full-time, 100% snap middle line or inside linebacker since, what, Antonio Pierce at this point? Wow. A guy that they, you know that you feel confident that he's that guy. You know, he's your guy in there. And that's, that's where the Giants have been at that position for a while. It's kind of scary, to be honest with you. <laughs> Yep, no, no question about it, and uh, you know it's going to be a key spot for them. We've seen how much uh, having Oval three there has kind of hurt them the past couple of years, so it would be very, very important for them to upgrade that spot. But again, they have a lot of spots to address. Whether yeah, they do. Or the draft, just so many spots, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They have to be busy this offseason to get this team headed in the right direction. Well, lucky for them, they have some money to spend. They're already scheduled to have more than $60 million. They're going to get... Even more money available, probably end up in the $80 million under the salary cap range and uh, be flexible enough to be able to make some moves here going forward. So, Mike Clay, go check out his 2020 free agency cheat sheet. It's it's really gold. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of this. Every year you put it out, and uh, I always I always go straight to it. It's it's, it's very in-depth, and to have these guys in order is, you know, it's not a hard order, but just to have a guy, okay, here's like, this is the top group, right? You look at the guys. You can kind of say this is the top tier, and this is the ne- this is the second tier. It's not. It doesn't really matter if, if it's exactly you know, like you said, it's a very rough ranking. But to have it is just so useful every year. Yeah, you're not. It's not a fantasy draft, right? We're just trying. It's just a resource. Give you an idea. Um, so yeah, so it's fun, and I'll keep updating it all throughout the off season. It's a, all throughout free agency and that. So um, it's a lot of fun to do and keep track of. So. Uh, it's that time. It's that time. Ramp it up for the combine and free agency. Yep, that's what that's that's what's next on the calendar. First, I, I got a little squeeze in a little vac. We got to squeeze in vacations first. This is vacation time, and then <laughs> then then we get to the real work. But uh, Mike Clay, look, remember, go to Mike Clay NFL. Otherwise, you're going to be looking at some uh, producer or or weatherman, yeah. uh, and, and you, you know, you, I mean, maybe you're interested in weather, but I mean, I I find this cheat sheet a little more valuable than the weatherman. Well, I appreciate that for sure. But uh, thanks, Jordan. Always fun. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for coming on. On to the next one. Ah, yes. It's time to answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants After Dark. First question. We're going to go to Instagram for the first question of this Giants After Dark. We'll go to Peter F. Zero eight. He asks, what do you expect the market to be like for the fourth pick, especially if Detroit moves out or trades out? So I went back and I looked, okay, what are some of the, what did teams get for the fourth pick in the past? Now there hasn't been any trades involving, directly involving the fourth pick recently. So, uh, but 
there was one for the third pick, right? That was the Mitchell Trubisky trade, uh, where the Bears, that was the two and three pick traded. So basically to move one spot, to move up from three to two, the Bears gave up a third and a fourth rounder. So let's say the Giants were going to move a spot or two up or down. They can get a couple mid-round picks maybe I think would be reasonable. Now, granted, that was uh, in retrospect, that deal did not work out for the Chicago Bears. But here's another one. In 2014, the number four overall pick, the Buffalo Bills traded to four. They were they had the ninth pick, so they traded the ninth pick. If the, let's say the Giants wanted to go from four to you know somebody wanted to move from nine to four, there was a quarterback available, Justin Herbert or Tua are there, and somebody wants to go get him. And the ninth pick, I don't know who's the ninth pick, but someone in that range wants to go get him. So what the Cleveland Browns got for that number four overall pick was the number nine pick plus a future first-round pick and a future fourth-round pick. So that's a pretty good haul for the Giants to move down five spots and the potential to get two future picks, including a future first-round pick. Or in 2012, the number three and four picks were swapped. Okay, this was the Trent Richardson trade. So the Browns had the fourth pick. Now they move up just to number three. Okay, so one spot. So imagine some the number five pick wants to move up and switch around with the Giants because they want a quarterback. They could probably get, and this is, this is what the number three pick at the time, they got a, four, a fourth, fifth, and seventh. So you they can get a bunch of mid-round picks just maybe to move one spot to the number five spot. Or if it was the number six spot, I would say like a pair of mid-round picks is about, has been the going rate for the number four overall pick. So... That is generally what the number four overall pick can get you. I mean, you move down to eight, nine, ten or so, you should be able to get either another first round pick this year or future first round pick. So don't forget these uh, drafting this high is a valuable commodity in order for teams to want to move up into the number four spot, into the number three spot. You got to pay up. It's going to be costly. Giants, Lions. These are teams in a position of strength. Question number two. Joe Leshin, my buddy, he asks on Twitter, do the Giants, by the way, good basketball player, quality basketball player. He's in, the, he's in my uh, Sunday pickup game. Sharp elbows, but quality player. Do the Giants need to draft a left tackle? If they draft one, doesn't moving Solder over to right side make sense? It does make sense only if you're really worried about moving that player. Now, the flip side is tackles that come in, and it's hard to come in at that position and play right away. I mean, go look at the recent history of these guys. There haven't been a lot of tackles that have come into the NFL and been instant quality left tackles or right tackles. I mean, you almost want to bring in a guy, unless it's with the number four overall pick, and give them a year or at least start them on the right side, or start them on the bench and then maybe slowly integrate them. So I think the best move for the Giants is probably to try and get better play out of Nate Solder. Draft a tackle, and then slowly integrate him either into the lineup or in left tackle, probably in year two. So that would be my preference if it were me. So we'll see what they do. 
Who Greg Samples at Samps NYG question number three asks Who is the one free agent you think the Giants absolutely must sign? Also, what type of return could they get in and actually trade back a couple spots in the draft? So I already addressed the trade back part, but the one free agent they have to sign, and we went over this before, and it, it's that edge rusher. They're going to have to sign to me a top end edge rusher. Now Yannick Ngakwe might not hit the market. If he does, it has to. Be, I would look at him. Um, Jadavian Clowney is the other guy, right? I mean, we talked about this with Mike. Shaq Barrett. I mean, guy, guys at that level. Now, Shaq Barrett's a little riskier. Um, Matt Judon is a guy maybe I would go to if all these guys don't hit the market. Now, the one the guy that we know is going to hit the market, though, is Jadavian Clowney. So if they want that top-tier pass rusher, that top-tier edge rusher, that's, for me... If, if Ngakwe is tagged, that's to me the way they have to go. Like they can't sit there and wait. They can't sit there and pray that they get edge rushers. Like they're going to have to find a real solution here. Now I'd love to bring back Marcus Golden, but as a number two, if you give me, you know, if they had gotten Chase Young, if they had gotten the number two pick and gotten Chase Young in the draft and they could bring back Marcus Golden at a fair value, you know, three year, $30 million deal. I would love that. And then you have Chase Young. And then you have Marcus Golden. And then you have, uh, you know, Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez fitting in there. And you've all of a sudden, you will go from a weakness to a strength. But I'm not sure they could fill that edge rusher spot, that number one edge rusher spot in the draft, right? At least right away. Cause that, that, that guy, there's no like second guy who's like almost, oh, he's, you know, he's comparable to Chase Young. It doesn't look like that guy exists in the draft. Now, maybe there's a guy, you know, A.J. Espenza from Iowa. I believe I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, you know, maybe a guy like that. But that would be, I don't think he's viewed as a top five pick. Probably not even a top ten pick. Maybe he's like a teen pick. Something like that. So, that's an option as well. So, we'll go to question number four at Carly Mursky. Who do you think the Giants' biggest targets in free agency are? And, I've kind of mentioned this before. We mentioned enough names already in this episode, but I have to stress this. We're early in this process because the Giants have a new staff. Right now, I don't think we're in that point where I can pinpoint and say these are their definitive targets. Wait a couple weeks. Wait till the combine, the end of this month, and I think at that point we'll kind of be able to look at and say this is a guy that they're going to target expect them to target this guy and this guy. But right now with the new coaching staff, with Joe Judge, with them still installing systems, I don't think we're there yet. At Brian Hummel 76 asks, uh, his name is 40-something. That's his uh, Twitter name, Twitter username. Not a big birthday guy. After 21, I think you should only get to celebrate every five years starting with 25. I agree with this. Now, I had my birthday this week. I turned, I don't know, some number after 40, whatever. Like he said, doesn't matter. But I agree with you. You shouldn't really get to celebrate. And we kind of, we didn't really celebrate. We, I ended up having some friends over the next day, just had some drinks, uh, told them nobody to bring gifts. Uh, so I'm kind of in agreement with you. It should be an every five year thing. And I, one thing I don't understand is the whole concept of happy born day to me and like people, needing to tell you that it's their birthday and asking people to say happy birthday to them, right? 
Now, I did make a joke on Twitter and put my name next to uh, Saquon Barkley and and uh, Sterling Shepard because we have birthdays three days apart. But in general, I don't – and even that was awkward to me. It feels weird to me to be like, hey, look. Look at me. It's my birthday. Say happy birthday to me. Like, who does that? Okay? Not me. I agree with you. Every five years, you should be able to celebrate your birthday. So after 21, you go 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50 is a big one. And everything everything after that is every 10 years. So I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one. Next question at ACL Tear says, assuming all pending free agents hit the market, which of the following is a better move for the Giants? Signing Jack Conklin for right tackle and drafting Isaiah Simmons at four, or signing Corey Littleton or Joe Schobert for linebacker and drafting the first offensive tackle at four. To me, I think the better option is Jack Conklin and Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons to me is a guy that just makes a lot of sense for this team in regards to they're looking for super, super versatile players. This is a guy that could be a difference maker in the center of their defense. A hundred percent every down guy. Those guys are hard to find. Corey Littleton is a good player, but to me, he's not Isaiah Simmons. He isn't the kind of playmaker that you're envisioning Isaiah Simmons being. As regards to the offensive tackle, the likelihood you draft a guy as good as Jack Conklin aren't that high. Jack Conklin's a quality player. Offensive tackle has been proven to be a very hit-or-miss position. And I'm not so sure this year's draft really has that guy who you say, this guy is a slam-dunk offensive tackle, offensive lineman. I think they all come with a little bit of risk. That's just what it's become, the offensive line position. There's no Walter Jones out there or Jonathan Ogden where you're going to draft these guys and say, this is a guy who's a stud. He's our guy 100% moving forward. I like the guy from Louisville. Becton, I believe is his name. But look, he's a little bit of a project. He comes with a little risk. He's still developing. You're still doing a lot of prognosticating going forward. Like you don't know 100% what he's going to be. You're hoping to be able to evaluate what he's going to be moving forward. But there's still risk in that. At Mark Scott, M. Scott 4985, last question says, Would tagging Leonard Williams be a good move for the Giants? And what would the cost be? Uh, the tagging... We kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier. I think, I don't think it's a good move for the Giants. I think it's something you want to try and avoid because again, once you tag him, it puts the leverage even more so in his court, right? Because you're putting a number on it. You're putting a number. So that's now the starting point again for their negotiations where, and there's no reason for him to take less. Because he'll be guaranteed that amount, right? Plus, if he plays decent this year, then he can cash in even more next year. So, to me, that's not the greatest move for the Giants. The move for the Giants, if they want to keep Leonard Williams, is to come to an agreement on a long-term deal. Now, maybe the transition tag, they can help 
It can help them set the market. But the flip side is other teams aren't going to want to put in an offer on the transition tag and help the – they're not going to want to negotiate the contract for the Giants. So I'm not sure that will even do them any good aside from locking the Giants in to that one-year deal for them at, what, $13 million or so, which – is that what the Giants really want to do? Is that what Leonard Williams really wants to do? So uh, I do not think that's a great idea. If they want to keep him, sign him to a long-term deal, now's the time. They have the money. Get it done. On to the next one. That's going to be the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. Uh, I will try, try, try to get you uh, an episode from the Combine in two weeks. Uh, so we'll see if we can make that happen. That's the goal right now. Next week's going to be a vacation week for me. So this episode is going to have to hold you over. I already did the cuts, and now I already did free agency. Those are the next two big things coming up for the Giants. Uh, so that should hold us over until the Combine at the end of this month, followed then by free agency, which begins with the negotiating window, and the cuts will come sometime right before then, uh, probably round after the Combine as well. So we're pretty much set with the Giants at this point. I will always take your questions. Remember, reach out to me, uh, Instagram, email, Twitter, Facebook, email, anywhere you can find me, anytime, and subscribe to this podcast. It's available on anywhere, really, you could find the podcast. You could get it on the ESPN app. You can get it on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio Podcast. You name it. We're out there. So subscribe, tell your friends, give us a good rating, and always, I'm open for feedback. I'm always open for feedback, so bring it this way. Come on, bring the feedback. I'm always open. Tell me what we can do better. Tell me what you want more of, what you want less of. And with that, that's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time.